with the Environment in Focus, I'm Tom Pelton. It's a cold winter day, and I'm out exploring an old forest of oaks, tulip poplars, and beech trees. I'm hunting for orchids with Dennis Wiggum, senior botanist at the Smithsonian Environmental Research Center in Edgewater, Maryland. Many of the 25,000 known species of orchids are threatened or endangered, in part because their complex life cycle is vulnerable to disruptions caused by development. Wiggum and his colleagues are trying to save these dinosaur-era plants. Now, you might find it odd that we would be out looking for plants in the dead of winter. But soon we find purple-spotted leaves erupting from a rotting log. These crane fly orchids only grow their leaves when the plants around them are bare. Uh, what's interesting about this orchid is that it's what we call wintergreen, in that it, if you were to come here in the summer, you, would never, you wouldn't see this plant. It has no leaves. And we think that's probably because these forest is very shady in the summer. So if you're, if you're an orchid, it might not be a bad idea to have your leaf out whenever there aren't a lot of leaves on the trees because you get more sunlight. It is this ability to outwit other forms of life that makes orchids what Wiggum calls the smartest plants in the world. Some orchids have adapted their flowers to look like insects, which fools bugs into trying to mate with them. Other orchids spread their pollen by exuding a perfume of rotting meat, which attracts flies. Wiggum explains that the life of these beautifully clever plants is dependent on death. The roots of orchids draw their nutrients from fungi, which consume dead and rotting plant matter. We hike back to his lab at the Smithsonian Environmental Research Center, located about a half an hour south of Annapolis. There are threatened and endangered orchids uh, in every state in the country, every province in Canada. And in fact, one of our research projects is focused on the most endangered plant in eastern North America, which happens to be an orchid. It's called the small world pagonia. These orchids look like green pinwheels with dragon head flowers. They are extinct in Maryland. Wiggum's lab supervisor, Jay O'Neill, shows me a glass vial holding their tiny hair-like seeds. Wiggum's team is trying to bring them back, as scientists might try to hatch dinosaur eggs in a science fiction movie. Researcher Melissa McCormick uses this machinery to analyze the DNA of orchid roots to figure out which orchids need which fungi. They have tried everything to get the seeds to germinate, bathing them with sugars, vitamins, hormones, even bleach. But they can't get the seeds to grow because they can't yet figure out how to grow in the lab a particular kind of red-capped mushroom fungi the orchids need. One theory is that disturbance of old forests either through suburban development, logging, or invasive species, disrupts fungal communities in the soil in ways that might take decades to heal. Without the right mix of fungi and tree roots, orchids cannot live. Cutting down forests can trigger a cascade of subtle problems that people do not even see or think about for generations. It is an interdependence that runs like a spinal cord through nature. With the Environment in Focus, I'm Tom Pelton of the Environmental Integrity Project, author of The Chesapeake in Focus. This program is sponsored by the Able Foundation. The views expressed are solely my own.